In the official day one of Voice 19, for us it's day two. We got started with some of the keynotes. Samsung, big talks on the paradigm shift of one assistant available on any device, powered by every single service, personalized for you. They're also working on dynamic program generation. If you go to bixby.developer.samsung.com, you have a combination of human and AI developer. Human writes a little bit of code, AI fills in the gaps. Centaur, if you've ever thought of a human AI mix, augments our intelligence. In addition, they released this morning the new Bixby Marketplace to make it easier for third-party developers to publish and share their applications across Bixby users. They say it's a new and blossoming marketplace. To go back, Alexa was the first one, and they had the Alexa Skillflow Builder release as well as the Game On SDK release. The Alexa Skill Flow Builder is a player, it helps you to create a player first experience where you can drag and drop items around a GUI, build your front end of your Alexa skill. Similar to Invocable, Voice Flow, other drag and drop interfaces, it's now provided for free by Alexa. Just search Alexa Skill Flow Builder. It was released earlier this morning. And finally, Microsoft. AI is about amplifying human ingenuity. The big investment areas that Microsoft is focused on is Azure AI. Dynamics 365 AI, Microsoft 365 AI, and driving business scenarios. And kind of see how many people here you know, have, uh, in some capacity, uh, you know, interacted with voice commerce, whether it's researching the product, you know, booking something, or buying something or adding something to the card using a voice assistant. Alright, great, that number's quite different than what we did last year, so there we go. Um, and yeah, so just to get started, you know, we'd love to kind of start with the current state of voice commerce and kind of where things are right now. So uh, you know, I know uh, Catherine, you write a lot about that stuff, so we would love to hear your thought and just kind of talk to the audience a little bit about you know, where we are right now today with voice commerce. How, how has the journey been over the last year or two? And kind of where do we see this going? Right? Yeah. Thank you. So voice commerce is one of the fastest growing use cases for voice assistants today. Um, and just to put some numbers on that, in 2017, we saw about 1.8 billion transacted in voice in the US. And that's a really small number. Uh, U.S. e-commerce in 2017 was $450 billion. Um, and another interesting comparison is just thinking about how this looks compared to mobile. And voice commerce today is where mobile was around 2011. And so to me, what this really adds up to is a huge opportunity for voice commerce. Um, I think one of the reasons that you're seeing this growth is that purchasing with voice, especially if you're reordering right now, is really, really easy. Uh, you're buying something on Amazon, Amazon has your address, your credit card information, your order history, and so it's just a great use case for users and something that I recommend to all of my subscribers. Um, looking ahead in terms of where is this going, 
you know, several consultants have estimated that voice commerce could be a $40 billion market, an $80 billion market in four years. You know, those are really big numbers. And I'm definitely bullish on voice commerce. But I think that one condition that you know, you're going to need to see in order for these numbers to materialize is the continued adoption of smart displays. So those are smart speakers, the screens. Because people want to see what they're buying before they make purchases. I know we'll get to that a little bit later, so maybe I'll, I'll pause and see kind of what others have to say on that. Yeah, definitely. You know, the doctor, the doctor here, you know, the market or research said that you know, 31 billion people are going to be uh, using voice commerce in two years. You know, that's that's not that far away. Um, that number is going to be 40 billion in two years more after that. You know? So, is that you know, people are saying that it's it's a little too bullish? You know, so I don't know. Uh, you know, people using in the voice commerce space with your platform. You know, what do you use? do? You think those numbers are realistic, or do you think those numbers are really kind of uh, you know, a little overhyped? Yeah, actually, I, I think that those numbers are small. Um, I, you know, I believe that if we look at the rate at which uh, smart speakers are being adopted, they're at a multiple higher and accelerating even that beyond mobile adoption of technology. So, you know, the way I look at people naturally wanting to buy things is they want to do through voice. I mean, you know, for over a millennia, we've been uh, buying and selling things through natural conversations. So why not just make that digital? Um, the, the problem is that the, the technology uh, today isn't there until a platform like, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little plug, but like Jetson has come out that allows for multi-step uh, transactions of any advanced product catalog. So, you know, that single shot experience is really not gonna help, uh, you know, drive more adoption. Uh, it's being able to order from your Alexa like you wish you could do on day one and transact the entire Amazon marketplace. And by being able to bring true uh, e-commerce capabilities to voice is, it has been extremely complex, especially as a first-hand entrepreneur that has been doing it. Uh, but now that we've gotten that type of technology out there in a turnkey way uh, for someone to just pay $125 a month and have their own voice first marketplace in minutes, that's really gonna help drive and accelerate the adoption of voice commerce technology and, and start to really add real utility to the smart speaker space. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and you know, uh, Patrick, from you, from, you know, and both of you from, from the media space, you've been seeing, you know, you, you work with a lot of brands, uh, and you know, just, they, they're always looking for innovative ways to, to kind of move forward. Uh, what have you seen, especially from like last year to this year? You know, there was a lot of talk last year that started. You were at the event last year as well. What have you seen with the brands and what their willingness to adopt to voice today? And uh, you know, if there's, is it is it today or do they need to wait? Or what are the benefits of kind of doing it today versus maybe waiting another year or two years when it's more widespread? Sure. Yeah. So I think we look at a couple. Of, I mean, I think in. Uh, response to your first question, where we are today, but, um, we're early, right? We are, the volumes, the, the you know, kind of really aren't there to put alongside e-commerce and global commerce in terms of where a brand expects to source volume today. That said, there's great reason to have some early move advantage here, if nothing else, to try and season, this could be category by category, but for many of our clients, there is some value to seizing early volume of what we 
performance commerce there is in category and hoping to build on that competitive advantage. Um, I think this may be a tactic that's potentially uh, going to phase out as the Alexa deals go away. But I would, for anyone in a packaged good category, anything that's sold over Alexa, think about the decisioning hierarchy within their native purchase. And last purchased in category that's prime eligible is going to be the default category response. And still, I believe as of now, at no cost of the discounted product, you can offer an Alexa voice deal on your product. So you're making an offer. You're going to get that some degree of exposure in category just through the native Alexa promotion of what's on sale today. And you're, by definition, only communicating that offer to high propensity voice shoppers, because only voice shoppers are going to find out about that daily deal. And you're only paying for the discount for those who take advantage of it, for whom, if you assume voice deal shoppers, are probably going to be an early adapter community of voice shopping in general, you are now their last purchasing category result. So simple tactical plays like that are something we've seen some clients get excited about. Um, I'm blanking on the name now, but there was a case in Ken Lyon this year from, it'll come before the end of the panel, someone who did exactly this, I'm totally making late in Honey Nuts here, something like that, who did a deal of that nature that was exactly, the whole hook of the thing was, it's not a discount to everyone and voices in the channel where you're going for volume today, but if you can drive some adoption with populations who are ready to go voice shopping earlier, great. And then specific use cases, you guys, I think someone from one of you maybe would mentioned repurchase, absolutely. So as an onboarding toward a subscribe and save model, great. Eliminates the need for comparison shopping. Maybe regimen expansion too. If you've got one product in hand, how do you think about the one, two, or three other things that might go with that and expand out? And then increasing, I think you mentioned screen displays, which we get really excited about, the ability to do a little bit more comparison with a voice-first navigation, cool. But I'm probably most bullish on voice on the go, mobile voice, whether that's over mobile phones, certainly that's what is buying me today, but integration into auto. What does click and collect by voice look like while you're during a commute and then arriving at location, even if it's not a full voice order, but getting that command into a retail outlet so that I'm arriving and it's just streamlining the whole process, but thinking of voice not only as a, or maybe I should say, like the components of a shopping journey from research through decisioning, through purchase, and even post-purchase, a little bit of that loyalty building and retention, that there's really potentially roles for brands to engage via voice along that spectrum. All right, I feel like we've got three optimists on the panel, so I'll be the cynic. There we go. Yeah, I think short term, you know, we're at what 0.4% of uh, online sales uh, are in voice. 2% of Alexa users have tried ordering through voice. So certainly for today, things a little iffy. Uh, I would definitely be more bullish for the long run uh, for the reasons that we've all talked about here. Uh, I don't think um, that the pure voice in a silo, other than reorders of commodity goods, really makes sense. You're just sort of I mean, it's a classic problem where shopping is an information-dense experience. You need a lot of information you need to compare, and like, just voice doesn't do that well. Uh, to throw a lot of information at you quickly. Uh, so absolutely, uh, when you do have that multimodal pairing, I think that's when things are going to take off. So, um, how important do you think multimodal is overall? Like, do you think, is there, because the adoption is lower, right? So I don't know what the numbers are, but there's not that many multimodal devices out there right now. Is that is there a lot of retailers or brands that must wait for more adoption? Or if that does not happen, is that, are we kind of doomed with that? 
I think multimodal is critical because for the most part, if it's not like toilet paper or laundry detergent, like you want to see what you're going to buy. Uh, so you need a way to do that. Uh, and actually when we go even a step further and we're starting to you know, shop in virtual stores through virtual reality, augmented reality, that's where I think voice is going to be a huge helper because you won't be sitting at a keyboard, you're going to be browsing, but you're going to need some way to control the experience uh, and through voice. So yeah, that's, that's where I see the future. Uh, the one thing that the voice that we all realize is that you know, unlike uh, the traditional browse uh, that we've been used to, you know, whether it's commerce shopping or you know, booking something, the access to real estate is not is not there. You know, you cannot. If somebody's asking for recommendations, you cannot speak 50 different recommendations. You know, just like you can scroll through screens, the real estate is not there. You know, you at the topmost two, three recommendations come in. So how does that impact overall search, right? So how do, when you look at voice search, and maybe you know, later on developing that into uh, paid search, now does it make it even harder for newer brands and smaller customers, uh, like smaller brands or retailers to be a part of this? Is this just become a big voice play then? Is it just like a, the, the big brands are the ones that only one that, that can benefit from that? Or is it, is it worse for the, for the newcomers? I'll do a quick one and just say, just to basic state of play, that today no paid search products across Alexa or Google Assistant. And so with that as your starting point, I think it's for anyone who's representing a brand here, if you're thinking about um, voice SEO, and I air quoted because I'd say I'm personally very skeptical of a lot of the organic optimization tactics being pitched in the market. And I think for anyone who wants to look at the recent VoiceBot report on voice SEO efficacy, it's a really good read, pretty simple to uh, tease through. If you're thinking about primarily branded terms here, so rather than unbranded or category search terms, within a branded space, very ownable, and there it's really not dependent on the scale of operation. You can be a very small startup company or a giant uh, incumbent. In unbranded terms, I actually think compared to other channels, smaller challengers have more potential to break through here based on there not being that paid ecosystem. You're not gonna get priced out. So really, you can win on quality of experience design. If you look at um, using Alexa as the example, a category level search term or something related to an occasion, not directly tied to brand, any skill is on effectively even footing in terms of where Alexa might arbitrate that inquiry. And the biggest factor is going to be literally today's star rating. So how well the market has received your experience and how many reviews you have and how highly rated it is. And so whether I have a client who's a Fortune 500 that might throw millions of dollars into a marketing budget, that could generate a lot more usage of the experience, and if it's a well-designed experience, that might mean that we actually do accumulate more high ratings, in which case, great, then we have established our client a real foothold around the occasions they care about. That's a lot harder than just owning a domain, squatting in a domain and buying in a space. And without a paid product there, a challenger who beats us on quality of experience design and really does deliver a better skill that people rate more highly, will actually get a lot of that volume organically routed to them. Back over in Cynic's corner. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that, that's interesting. Uh, I see this being difficult. Uh, it's that position zero problem. You know, we've gone from web search, you got all those listings, mobile search, you got a few ones, and now with voice, you're wanting to be the top thing to get serviced. Uh, so it's a good point that if you really are, you know, you're, it's a meritocracy and you're winning out on quality, then you have that opportunity. 
but it sort of it favors the already well known or already good. Uh, if you're sort of not there and you're trying to climb, it's just harder to surface to the top if only the first result is going to be heard. But then it's breaking with form here, but it seems like there's a question out there. What do yeah, you got? So um, I'm with Mars regularly as intern, but um, so my project this summer has been on voice commerce, and I'm struggling because Lint is now going to be the Amazon um, brand for chocolate for them. So we're going to automatically lose with the Amazon choice, probably to the brand. So I kind of argue that I'm concerned that um, for voice anyway, um, we're not going to be the first result, even though we have lots of good reviews. We're an Amazon choice, but they're going to be the they're going to they're going to win over us because now they're the Amazon brand. It's because they're the Generic brand now. So what does that mean for us? Like, could we still win? <laughs> <Not very> much. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a it's a big problem. And I guess the other issue is yes, now there's no there isn't paid discovery. And I just think, how long could Amazon hold on this? Like sitting atop like a huge, huge gold mine for that opportunity. There's sponsored results when you look on a screen. Uh, why wouldn't you at some point offer the privilege of being mentioned first? I'll leave it there. Just to add something to this discussion, and this is kind of a thinking more broadly than just voice commerce, but you know, if you look at what happened in the mobile ecosystem, like you didn't have startups that were creating a phone that competed with Apple or Android phones, but if you think of the big winners in mobile in terms of the you know killer apps for mobile, a lot of them came out of startups. You know, take Uber for example. So I do think that you know. People say that music is the killer app for smart speakers. I guess that makes sense if you know we're primarily thinking of smart speakers. But I think as voice um, is you know across, it becomes much bigger and broader than just smart speakers. It's on the go. It's multimodal. It's on your TV. It's in your car. You know, I still think there is that people ask this question. You know, what's going to be the killer app for voice? I don't know the answer to that, but I do think that that could come from a small company. Yeah, and I just wanted to address the searchability issue. Um, you know, really, you know, Amazon or Google having their own, you know, paid advertising platform makes a lot of sense in the future, especially as more skills start to come onto the marketplace. Uh, but a lot of those skills need to be commerce-related skills. So that's why, you know, with our tool, that's what we enable those brands to have that commerce ability, right? And by being able to onboard as many small businesses or merchants, whether they are Amazon merchants or not, onto the voice platform, uh, that allows for the uh, searchability of different skills uh, that are directly tied to an ROI that could be tracked with, uh, you know, if, if there was um, paid inclusion advertising uh, for those skills. So if somebody was, you know, selling chocolate per se, uh, using uh, you know, a platform like Jetson, right? Uh, you know, Amazon would be able to be able to act as that discoverability engine, uh, and they should do that because I believe that Google is is probably going to do that as well because they're known for search. And if you look at voice, I compare it a lot to the early internet, right? When uh, you know, you know today it's comparable to when people just added websites to just to have a web presence, so they would have first mover advantage and have marketability in the space. But 
you know, as time went on, once uh, people were able to buy and sell things on the internet, uh, that's when we started to see mass adoption occur, and that's when we started to see, you know, like Google AdSense and so forth start to make a lot more, but, well, it had a lot more practicality in its application uh, for voice commerce. So uh, I, I truly believe that being able to have that type of utility is going to be really important uh, in the space, and discoverability should be what these larger players that have built these ecosystems should be focusing on. It was interesting to be here from the Mars Ruby perspective there. So one other thing I throw out there, because we're talking a lot about, I think, taking web-based, and in this case, effectively, organic e-com optimization tactics, and how do those pour it over to voices and interface? Where are the positions you are questioned? The biggest issue, right? I think you'll also hear some really interesting discussion in this space, in this space around whether voice interaction and that arbitration by the platform is the death of brands, or does that actually make brand the most important asset you could possibly invest in? In this case, I'd argue the latter. The question of how will your Mars Ruby brands, and I don't even know which the chocolate ones are, but whatever you have that's competitive to Lyft, how will that win over Lyft? Let's get people to ask for that brand, instead of trying to imagine that the path to purchase of your product is someone asking Alexa for chocolate in general, and then organically being routed to you or another where you can Imagine we were, I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever it was, pre-organic searches and uh, big discovery channel. It might have been then spending more uh, investment in shopper marketing on your shelf spots. And so there it's a conversion shelf, but hopefully one that's been informed by brand equity building earlier that gets people actually demand of brand. So all the positions, zero questions, and all the things we're talking about are true in unbranded search. But if the question people ask is, where do I get X brand or send me X brand, that's going to overrule any Amazon choice thing if they just ask me about it. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, before I went into Yeah, so two slightly different things here where I think the question up here is about product search specifically. And so for someone trying to buy, buy voice, in this case, buy over Alexa, will, if they say at a category level, I want to buy some chocolate, what chocolate would be recommended? In terms of a skill, though, absolutely tagging with the can fulfill intent in terms not just of keywords, but thinking of it more as queries that you're a good answer for. If you think of a skill as a probably multi-step, but multi-turn, I should say, but at least one turn, answer to a question versus tagging of a product to be discovered by it and recommended. So you know, just going back to uh, uh, slightly different, similar to a slightly different question regarding you know, Alexa versus Google, let's just talk about you know, those two for now. Is there any reason for any brand to be on only one of them and not be on both of them? You know, whether it's a competitor to Amazon selling similar products, you know, being getting discovered or not, is there is there any reason why a brand should decide to not be on? 
Uh, I mean, the reason to be on, you, you definitely want to be on Amazon because you want to be on Amazon. Uh, the reason to be on Google is sort of to invest in there being another big arena for e-commerce. I feel like it's in the interest of sort of every retailer and every brand for at least to be like a two-horse race and not a one-horse race, which is not a race anymore. Um, so, so you want to be you want to be present, and it, it sort of relates in a way to the chocolate question because and what you're saying about brands because if it's if it's generic search, you didn't name the brand, and then you're only relying upon the whims of of Amazon to choose who's going to get named uh, in that way. You're in a weak position. So you use the more places you can be, and maybe with some of these newer platforms where you have alternate ways to be discovered uh, for your product to be discovered. So I, I guess the short answer to that is be as in many places as you can. Yeah, the only thing I would add is just thinking about for Android penetration Google Assistant. So if you're a category where someone might shop on the go, nice to have a presence on Assistant for that. Yeah, you know, for myself, you know, I believe that um, you want to be on every channel, you know, or as a retailer, uh, they're all always thinking about an omni-channel strategy on how they can sell more. And if they can be on the emerging channels where uh, people are going to, you know, engage on, which is now the smart speaker and then, you know, mobile and messaging, right? Uh, I think that's going to be quite powerful. And, you know, with voice, what I really love about it is that it's, it's truly ubiquitous. Uh, you know, they're expecting about 50 billion IoT devices to be activated by 2020. Um, you know, and that uh, came like an explosion of, of digital devices that are now being equipped with a you know microphone and a speaker is only going to increase that the surface of purchase. You know, not only on a screen on your desktop or your mobile phone, but in your everyday, every facet of your everyday life. So, I could, you know, I would say that it is conducive to be on every single for a retailer to be on every single uh, IoT device out there. Yeah, uh, excellent. That, those, are, those are great uh, you know, answers, and you know, the reason I asked that is that is because you know, I've been, you know, we've all been following this for for years. And I remember my initial discussions from you know, from the blue tech point of view, early days when we talked to companies that don't that have a policy not to sell on Amazon.com, uh, did not want anything to do with Alexa. You know, they literally would be like, we don't do anything on Amazon. And you know, the biggest example I give is that you know a month ago we did Google Engines live on our platform, and it's there on Alexa. So, you know, I think I think people realize certain things that you know the, you have these you know headphones coming with Alexa and Google Assistant built into it. Cars are coming into it, you know, and, and the biggest example I always give is if somebody goes for a run in the morning and they have their Bose headphones on and they realize that they need new running shoes, if that's your customer, you need to do that. You know, and so that's kind of where it goes. So, uh, you know, the next thing uh, is, is, is kind of like, I think not that talked about, but maybe it should be, is you know, something that I want to talk about is, is Sonic branding. And, uh, you know, definitely want to see what you guys think the importance of not just personalization but just of overall sonic branding for when it comes to um, voice. And maybe if uh, somebody wants to start off and just kind of uh, just give a little background on what, what it means, that uh, would be great. Sure. So 
at a high level, when we talk about sonic branding, what we're thinking about is really all of the sounds that a brand produces across all touch points. That would be media, but as well product, retail, location, everything. And for anyone who's a Mars Wrigley here, any other brand owners out there, think about uh, if you were briefing an agency on your behalf, you very likely send them a brand book, right? It's gonna have what is your logo, what are your fonts that you allow, what are the color of the CMYK mix, and exactly how your brand ought to be articulated in whatever media they're communicating or your path and design materials for. A lot of those are visual only, and then usually when you get to the what is our brand sound like section, it's a couple sort of generic adjectives that were aspirational or accessible or whatever. Uh, and I don't know what aspirational sounds like, but that's our job to figure out on behalf of brands. And so we are increasingly doing this work with clients um, where it is a proper strategic process to think about what is the position you want to own, what is the right suite of music, brand sounds. It could actually be an audio mnemonic, kind of like a jingle, um, but it could also just be the sound effects that you make as you go through, the music scoring, the voices you cast, all of that, and how do those sonic assets accumulate into brand equity, just like we do on the visual side. So then, to the question of does it matter or what role does it play, I, to me it's critical. Like whether it's whether we're talking about voice specific in the commerce place here, where you might be a little closer to purchase, or just more broadly, year on year our trend of digital media consumption, uh, sorry, digital audio consumption, is rising. I believe last year something like a ten percent rise in uh, time spent with digital audio for U.S. adults. So just about your own lives, driving in your car, listening to whether it's radio or serious. Uh, walking around, when I walk out of here and leave today, I'm gonna pop AirPods in. I'm gonna listen to a podcast as I go. And there will be ads in this stuff. If those brands being advertised are live hosts, okay, there's some benefit to that. But I'm not accumulating any equity in the way that I would be that so many brands invested over the years in that visual equity, where then I can get a very quick sign when I'm driving down the road and I see just red and yellow on the side, okay, McDonald's. I have that built into me, and I have the associations with that visual. As I spend more time in audio first media, as a brand, I want to invest in that same equity. I think that people have been talking a lot about sonic branding over you know recent years, as with the rise of smart speakers. Um, but I do think, just going back to the multimodal discussion for a moment, that the visual branding is about to come back into the mix in a really big way. And so this isn't to say that all of the sonic branding points that Patrick just made are important, but we've been in this kind of period. We all talk about you know voice first, but really we've been in a voice only ecosystem. And what I mean by that is it's voice in and it's audio out when you have a smart speaker without a display. And at the beginning of this year, there were about 9 million people in the US who had a smart speaker with a display, and that's like teeny tiny number. But I do think that you're gonna see that number explode this year. And I think a big reason for that is the release of the Echo Show 5 um, back in June. It's the first really affordable smart display. It's cheaper at $90 than the regular Echo speaker. And on Prime Day, it went on sale for $50 and it's sold out until September. So if I had to guess when this same number for Jan 2020 rolls around, it's gonna be a much bigger number than that nine million number from Jan 2019. And if you're a brand, you're gonna to need to have a multimodal presence. And so your visual cues, which have been completely absent on you know, Alexa skills, Google Actions to date, because they've just been speakers are going to now become kind of relevant again. 
or the voice assistant smart speaker experience. And it doesn't even stop there, right? Like not all these new um, smart televisions are coming with Alexa built in as well. Yeah. You know, we have one of those TVs and I literally went to Best Buy before the previous conference just to do a demo. And I think we walked into the Best Buy. It was like a 43-inch Ultra HD television with Alexa built in for $230. I mean, that's cheaper than the Echo Show, right? So uh, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. And, and you sit in front of it and like, you know, like, different retailers experience, you sit in there and you just start talking. And I think that those are one of those things where once you start experiencing that, you know, once it goes past the current stage, which we are getting away from, I think it's going to be something that's going to be really, really changing. Uh, so so the, these, we, we always talk about like Alexa, Google, you know, um, quick uh, thing, of where, do, where do the other voice assistants fit in right now? Like, you know, TV, Pixby, whatever, like, where, is, should anybody even focus on that right now or just wait till they have kind of like their act together or like, what's the, what do you guys think of that? Like, is there anything going on with that? I'll go ahead and talk about it. Um, yeah. So from from my perspective, um, you know, you know, as a platform builder, a voice commerce platform builder, we have to kind of understand what that roadmap is going to look like. Um, so you know, obviously, our focus has been primarily on the Alexa and the Google Home, um, simply because of the adoption rate. Um, of these these products, right? And they're the clear winners. Um, obviously, Alexa has a lead, and and uh, uh, Google Home is certainly moved, and the assistant's moving to uh, get more of that market share. But um, I would say focusing on those two platforms that have ecosystems built specifically for uh, onboarding uh, new skills it would be is really important. And then. When we talk about um, uh, you know Bixby, uh, you know that's something that we also want to explore as well. Uh, and then also Siri, I think, would be a really big um, value add to the voice commerce ecosystem. I, I think that you know Siri being able to tap into it while you know your your you have your earpods on or AirPods uh, would be uh, very um, conducive to you know growing the voice commerce you know industry. Now, I, I do feel that, uh, you know, the technology is not there for a couple of those platforms, so that's why uh, if we were to focus, uh, it would be on uh, Alexa and Google Home. James, I'm Maybe all that would be serious in our pockets, huh? Careful about saying her name, she'll <laughs> it down here. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing to ask is why is Apple not a player in this discussion? Um, Existentially, both Amazon and Google need to be uh, one as a product selling company and an advertising, increasing an advertising company, that's Amazon. The other is an advertising company, that's Google. So they both have big needs to be involved in, uh, in commerce. Uh, Apple doesn't need to be there. They're, they're a device sales company. And in a way, that's an advantage because it's not part of the business model to need to do that. Uh, the reason that, that Amazon and Google have been tiptoeing pretty cautiously into commerce is nobody wants to alienate consumers too soon by having intrusive ads, by having sponsored results, all these things, which could be a turnoff when we're still in a place where we're kind of deciding which ecosystem we like best. So that, that's kind of the perspective on why maybe Apple's not rushing into that space. Yeah, I mean, also just to talk, you know, talk a bit about Bixby as well. Some of the numbers that Adam Chire quoted today were pretty staggering and exciting. You know, a, a billion 
devices coming, you know, installed based with Samsung devices. Those are all devices that this could be, could potentially, you know, be on. And I think that part of the reason that that's really interesting is I don't think that when it comes to voice assistance that this is a winner-take-all market. Like, I could see myself wanting to talk to my Samsung, like, washing machine or, or television or something with Bixby, but also talk to my Amazon Echo smart speaker to Alexa. And so I think that as people are getting into the habit of asking Alexa to buy stuff for them, that that will that will make them start thinking to ask whatever speak smart speaker or a smart assistant they're talking to to buy something. So I think that it's important to sort of think about all of these platforms. Like yelling at the children and yelling at all the children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we kind of have like maybe maybe seven ten minutes left. So we'd love to open it up to any questions that anybody might have. You know, but you guys probably don't need this. Uh, we talked about a lot of physical goods, CPG, how to move product, reordering. I want to hear your perspective about like in-skill purchasing for digital products, VOUE for subscription, the difference like New York Times for sure will definitely get into VOUE, but like small publishing and media players will try, they will have an opportunity. I'd just like to hear your opinions about this other side of voice comms. I'll go ahead and kind of answer that. Um, you know, and I hate plugging my own platform here, but uh, simply because what we've built addresses a lot of those uh, issues, right? So what we focus on is building this core technology for voice commerce. Uh, we make it really easy for anyone to add uh, voice commerce capability to their existing voice application, mobile application, smart speaker application. So, um, you know, in terms of providing digital goods, that's something that our, our platform can also do as well. So it's just all about purchasing the exact product you want, right? So if you're, you know, if you're selling like a digital print, right, uh, but there's different sizes, like how do you upload products and be able to navigate through those different modifications, right? So that's what our platform does. And we have an API that allows for uh, anybody to take that functionality and put that into their existing skill or mobile app and so forth. So, uh, you know, commerce happens the same way it happens with e-commerce today, right? Um, but it's just going to happen on a, on a different uh, interaction, which would be voice. Yeah, I think at a high level, it's extremely exciting. Probably we are closer to scale in these content purchases than physical goods would be my guess here. I'd say a little bit of experience in space. We built the first premium content skill um, heads up and Jeopardy were the first two to and so we designed both heads up experience there. And without getting into any of the specific numbers, I can say we beat projections on the premium content sale. That said it's projection off of no basis. We really have shot in the air of how much would people opt for premium content purchase over voice? But if you look at the behaviors that we see most common over voice assistants today, streaming news, streaming music, um, when you're into stream content as probably the, I think that's safe to say, the biggest use case of assistance today, then the idea of unlock of premium elements for that make a lot of sense. And then the buy once and doing hours is a really exciting feature where publishers can, it, it's an opportunity cost question, right? If your core product is a mobile app and premium content, do you want to invest the bill to bring it over to a voice platform for what is today 
compared to a mobile audience, probably limited upside. But we have a good amount of interest in that space. I think actually probably seeing more inbound requests for that kind of IP and content monetization over voice than we have real firm voice commerce for physical goods. Yeah. Um, I have clients that have kind of a similar challenge with this as they had with mobile you know, six, seven years ago and integrating with omni-channel platforms to the back end, like CPQ and ARP type systems where if you're trying to drive commerce, you have to have straight through processes or else it just doesn't, you know, no one wants to build another catalog independent of their existing e-commerce catalog anything on the tooling side uh, coming forward from either Amazon or Google, because they're not very, um, let's just say, back-end integrated friendly to commerce. I feel like we have somebody who's going to want to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's a burning. Yeah, so that, that's a great question. So, um, you know, we uh, our platform is actually designed for specifically that. Uh, it, it is a platform that realizes that you already have existing product catalogs and existing systems in place, which should not be changed. So, you know, for example, if you're in demand or Shopify, Magento, or any of those, uh, you, know, you can you can connect to the BlueTag SaaS platform, and it publishes uh, skills and actions for you. And so, if you're doing a transaction, if you want to you know buy a reorder a product, you want to buy a product and check out, it actually uh, processes the payment in case of like say, you know, it's the the most friction-free method of doing that is just Leveraging Amazon Pay. So if you're, an, if you're a merchant that accepts Amazon Pay, you actually don't need any account linking or any of that stuff. And the, the user can transact and create an order, and it will create an order in your order management system. So it actually is a tool uh, that bypasses a lot of the needs of maintaining a separate catalog, which there's no need to because you already have a catalog. So yeah, there, there are tools available, and, and you know, it makes it a lot easier for sure. I was just going to add that, but I, just, I think that's actually applicable actually across categories that where we, so as in the, the agency side and then whether it's in the consultative uh, capacity or actually develop and build, either way, we're seeing a really exciting <coughs> of these middleware partners. Those do what virtual products can do, um, similar in hospitality and integration into property management systems. So important, it's very, for me to design and deploy an Alexa scale or Google action, on property for a hotel, but to invest the time to do those integrations in the back-end systems myself, it takes forever. And there's a great middleware layer that's partners in that space. And vertical by vertical, we're seeing more, <coughs> really on like a monthly basis now, of new domain-specific specialty integration partners arise, and that's unlocking tons of experience design opportunities for us on the kind of front end. Yeah, and I just want to go back to kind of our, our tool set as well. Um, you know, we have an, an enterprise-level API uh, that you can uh, take and um, integrate into the back office system uh, quite easily. So uh, having a developer-friendly tool um, is, is key, and it's, it's the technology is here today, so which is great. I think we have time for one last question. Um, so when you say like voice commerce, naturally you start to think of transacting or discovery through like the actual smart speaker. Um, but I was curious if you guys have any insider thing to say uh, with voice commerce in actual like, brick and mortar locations. More on like discovery versus actual, actual transactions. 
Uh, yeah, so actually um, we have uh, right now an LOI um, signed with uh, Procter & Gamble uh, in order to bring uh, voice commerce technology into the center aisle of displays. Uh, we also um, just recently got a green light from Remy, uh, which is a large uh, beverage distributor, uh, to uh, also add voice commerce technology into center displays in um, uh, retail centers. So um, the thing is, it, you know, it, commerce happens uh, anywhere, right? Voice commerce can happen anywhere. So it's not, so right now we're thinking about it happening only in the home, but being able to do it on premise is, is really um, key. Uh, we actually just signed um, an, an LOI with a company called Dolara. They're in a hundred different hotels. Uh, they have uh, Alexa's in every room of those hotels to do on-premise food ordering uh, for room service, right? But you you don't have your your actual actual Alexa's um, or Amazon password, username and password to transact on that particular device. So uh, you know we've devised a way for them to order and to be able to hook that into you know the front desk to fulfill that order as well. So uh, you're you're starting to see that. Uh, you know, on-premise as well as, you know, in-home is going to be uh, something that's going to be growing in uh, voice college. You know, also, you know, people have been buzzing a bit about augmented audio reality in recent months and uh, wearables and hearables and, you know, I think that it's very possible that in a few years, you know, you'll, many of us will be walking around with some Google Glass 2.0 and you'll be looking at a Procter & Gamble product and there will be a little camera that sees what you're looking at and you can just ask, you can say, oh hey, tell me about this product and your wearable will know exactly what you're looking at or it'll just proactively be giving you information. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting and cool. <coughs> uh, and that in a way also helps solve the discovery problem that plagues so many apps. So I, uh, I made a voice skill for my book, Talk to Me. It gives you fun facts, it gives you trivia, I answer questions, and it was a truly brilliant idea, if I say so myself. <laughs> Except for the part that I realized too late along that like you had to already know about the book to know that there was a voice skill and know the invocation phrase. So it, it literally did nothing as a marketing tool. But if you could actually engage with that in place where you know, you're browsing, you see the book like, oh, what's that about? and you have this moment where you could talk to the author, it would actually work in the way that I originally intended. Yeah. I was just going to throw one last thing on that, which was, um, think about, you use the framework of Google Action, and then you've got all Android handsets covered, native there. If you were to have, for even brands that are sold in retail where they don't own the retail, if you own the retail environment, absolutely, because you can have a cool application there. But even if you're in grocery, for instance, Think about your packaging, the call to action to invoke an action and ask questions of it. Think about little shelf talkers with a small Google Assistant logo that says, ask your phone blank, and then go through the thought experiment with your brand owner of what would you want a brand representative standing at that shelf to be able to answer and walk through? That would be the starting point for me. Great, so with that, I think we're at the end of this panel. Um, I definitely want to thank all of you for being experts and you know giving us all the opinion and please round of applause for all of us for
sitting in on the Future Voice Commerce panel, it had the founder of Jetson, had a couple, an author of Talk to Me, as well as Patrick Givens from Vanner Smart. Some of the key takeaways I had from that is that currently transactions in the year 2017 had $1.8 billion. Oh yeah, some of the other people were Catherine Prescott. Um, now, $1.8 billion in transactions by voice, 2017. Compare that to e-commerce, which had $450 billion. There's a much bigger market for voice to be tapped into, but right now it's a very tiny piece of the overall e-commerce. Reordering, we found, is very easy with voice. If you already know you like the product, it's very quick and easy to reorder the product with your Alexa devices. Voice commerce should be driven by screens was another takeaway. Let's talk a little bit more about um, some of the small business side. Some of the discussion said that small businesses may have the upper hand with voice commerce because currently there is no pay barrier. Unlike Google and Amazon where you can pay to sponsor your product and put it up top and list it as the first item. With voice, this doesn't exist yet. Everybody is starting off at the same level. Let me say that again. There is no paying to rank yourself higher on voice. You have to be organically discovered. So purchase forward thinking tactics with voice first. There are two options that they talked about in the panel. Either one, brand means nothing, or two, brand means everything. In the first example, if brand means nothing, then we expect the consumer shopping with voice to change towards buy chocolate, buy rope, buy, you say a generic item and then Amazon returns it back, so your brand really doesn't matter. You're more just trying to capitalize on general search terms. In the second example, brand means everything. We expect consumers to truly just shop by brand. So you're going to say, instead of saying buy chocolate, you're going to say buy Marsha's chocolates, buy Jake's popcorns, buy, you're going to ask for the brand followed by the product, or you're just going to say you want to shop by the brand. We don't know how it's going to build out yet, but that's where it's headed right now. Biggest questions that I have leaving that session were how can we voice enable Shopify? And then the last question that they answered is, we are closer to scaling the purchase of digital products than of physical products. It's very difficult to scale buying physical products with this voice interface right now, in the same way that people found it difficult to adopt e-commerce in an age when physical shopping was very prominent. Right now, people want to still see. They're, they're very familiar with the screen shopping experience. So having the screen and the multimodal experience does help with the ability to purchase physical goods but there are a lot more smart speakers out there right now. There are a lot less smart displays. So it's much more likely for people to buy a digital good, like a subscription to the New York Times or a new level in your game than it is for them to want to buy a lawnmower or a thing of cat food. In general, out of the four panelists, three of them were very optimistic of the growth, and the fourth was the author of Talk To Me. He was much more um, bearish. Everybody else was very bull on voice commerce. Voice first debrief, day one for us, day two, but officially day one of the conference. Khalil, what's one of the sessions you attended today? 
All right, um, one of my favorite sessions I attended today was Journey into the Global Voice Market. Um, it was hosted by Elena Mataviva, I hope I got that right, from Just AI. And one of the things that it really taught me today was how important screens are when it comes to voice and the future. So I'm gonna run across a couple stats that I learned today that really blew my mind. Um, one was that China, within the last two years, their market for smart speakers have grown 500%, which means that now there are 51% of smart speaker sales worldwide, which is a crazy stat if you really think about it. Um, but out of that 51%, 42 of their speakers come with a display. That means near half of their speakers come with a display. Um, another interesting thing was the fact that lots of their things, they're not just making speakers, they're also making smart toys for kids. So they um, presented this commercial about a bot that was almost a nanny. You put the screen down, the kids are able to play with it, it has a personality, it was something really, really cool. Um, let me see. Another thing that I learned today was that China's also big on service bots, which I didn't even know were happening right now, to be completely honest. Um, their market... Any idea what a service bot is? Yeah, service bot, um, they were being used in restaurants, hotels, robots that were able to handle things, but they were also had voice implementation, which was pretty cool. Um, their market value was at 800 million, which means that these are kind of getting big. So honestly, what I kind of took away from it was that screens are important. And as we go towards this future where we're using voice and we're trying to have interface with the computer, Yes, it's cool to believe that voice is this platform that gives us so much power and free will, but the, but the screen is so powerful. We still see just as much as we hear, honestly. So I just started thinking about how the global scale was. Um, before I get off, the couple other things I learned was that Russia is also getting pretty big with their bots. Um, they have five assistants, two more to come. Their biggest one has 300, no, I'm sorry. They have 35 million users a month on their biggest one, which is pretty cool. So honestly, I just started to think about how you can have a global plan and how, yes, it sounds cool to be here and think that we're creating stuff, but there's a whole world out there of more things to do. Samir, what's one of the sessions that you liked today? So one of the sessions that I attended that I loved today was talking about voice commerce and why it's so slow to, for people to uh, do voice commerce. It's the fact that it's not slow, it's just that every starting thing is always slow. When computers first came out, nobody knew how to use it, so nobody trusted it. It's all about trust. You're not gonna part your money with somebody you don't trust, right? It's the same feel. So to build trust, Microsoft started with Solitaire. And what did you do with Solitaire? You clicked on a card and you moved it. And what do you do with a computer? You click on a button or uh, an app and you moved it. So they taught users how to use a computer through a game, all right? When smartphones came out, what did they do? The biggest thing was Angry Birds. And how, what do you have to do in Angry Birds? You have to tap on a bird, hold it, and swipe up. And that is exactly what you do with the phone right now. They taught you swiping with phones. And so the thing with voice is you have to start with the entertainment industry and use that to teach users about voice and how to use voice assistance and the voice platform. So when you design a skill, start with entertainment and always start with uh, small purchases because then you build trust little by little by little. And while it seems like it's a big leap between uh, platforms, be it desktop, mobile, or uh, voice, not this payment, but in reality, it's just tiny little jumps where trust is being built over and over and over again.
So what I took away from this is that don't lose hope that micro-purchases aren't working and people aren't buying anything on voice. Just keep at it and just realize that you have to start building trust with your customers and teach them how to use the voice platform. And the best way to do that is entertainment. And so that people are learning through fun. And that is the biggest takeaway I got from that.